Hi, this is Chuck Manning, sports editor of the day, and I'm, I'm proud to welcome back uh, Vicki Fulkerson, um, who is in San Antonio and, like the, the UConn women, has survived and advanced herself on uh, on Monday night. So she'll have plenty to write about as, as UConn prepares to play Arizona on Friday night in the uh, Final Four. Vicki, one of the things that um, and I, I wanted you to address to people listening uh, is the media attention in uh, in this tournament? Uh, UConn has always traveled well uh, from a media standpoint in the past, but uh, this year, because of the COVID um, and the unique circumstances, you're one of only uh, three newspapers, um, you know, covering the team out in San Antonio, um, joining uh, Connecticut Hearst and the Hartford Current. Um, Maybe you can talk a little bit about about uh, how those decisions came about and, and what the radio and TV people are do, doing to get uh, information back to their own viewers and, and what that experience is like so far. Yeah, it's just, um, it's strange. Um, there's usually, you know, hundreds of people and, you know, a bustling media room and media shuttles and people going in and out of the lobby of the media hotel and just... Uh, um, it's uh, Alexa Philippou from the Hartford Current and uh, Doug Bonjour uh, from Hearst, Connecticut Media and me. And uh, we were all together the first night and last night they split us up. Alexa was way down on the other end of the concourse. Um, and we see each other and everything, but we're not staying at the same hotel or anything. Um, a, a lot of the people, you know, like like Mike is for us, Mike tomorrow, we 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 have pretty good access um, uh, virtually. Uh, the the other day, um, Gino was giving a his NCAA mandated press conference, and it it was it was kind of short. Um, they they've lengthened them as the tournament has gone on, but the other day was pretty short and the moderator actually cut Gino off in the middle of an answer. And um, so uh, uh, Anna uh, Labonte, their sports information person, um, got Gino to do a little separate um, uh, press gathering for us later on on Zoom. He was sitting outside on on like a bench outside the convention center after they got tested. And he he just was like in in a really like, you know, he answered any questions we had about Baylor or defense or whatever, but he he also said some like really funny things, just like relaxed a little bit. So there's um, just a lot of virtual things going on. <laughs> you mentioned uh, the concourse. Um, now I know, but probably some of people listening in don't know that generally when you get to this stage of the tournament, the uh, the print media. Is uh, is seated courtside, um, usually right on the court or you know a row or two behind. Um, this year, because of COVID, uh, you guys are a little bit higher up. Uh, as you, a couple of pictures you posted with your postcard uh, show you on the uh, concourse where uh, you're you know you're quite a quite a long way away from the uh, from the from the game action. How has that been to adjust? Well, the I mean, we we can't be near the players because they're in a bubble, so we can't be down on the floor. Um, I I think that they've they they've really um, as much as we 
you know, pick on the, the, you know, the things that the NCAA overlooked, like the weight room, the women's weight room, as opposed to the men's weight room, stuff like that. They really thought of a lot of little small details. Like um, last night I got to, um, I got to vote for the all tournament team. Um, In my email, you know, they sent out the ballots um, and email and I got to vote. And so a lot of the little details are good. Like we, we, so we each have our own little desk up on the concourse. We we each have our own little lamp because it's kind of dark up there. I noticed last night I tried to sit on the left side of my laptop and I was in like a big shadow from my lamp. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't sit there. I had to sit on the right side of my computer. But, um, the, the first night, uh, the, the first game that UConn played against Iowa, I, I um and I don't have great distant vision anyway, <laughs> but um I could see okay uh, the other night and the UConn players you know who they are from far away and and you have um you know the play by play in front of you running on your computer so if you're like oh who scored that you can look at your computer oops and uh, find out. But um, last night, I couldn't see good at all. They um, they moved me down to the other end of the concourse, down into the end zone a little bit. And it just seemed like even the close end of the court was far away. So forget the far end of the court. <laughs> but la- last night, I couldn't see as good. So then you're trying to – it was such a close game, and you're you're trying to see and see what happened and type. And it, it just was really um, – and and then the game was so amazing. It just it sort of just took the air out of like I I saw on uh, Twitter and Facebook a lot of people were like oh my god I can breathe now but that's sort of what it was like being there. It was just like I said in my story. It was just breathless the whole time. It just you were just like <gasps> the whole time, <laughs> the whole time and then trying to see it from far away <laughs> made it interesting. Well, you know that 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 kind of brings me to a point about why I have always said you and the other UConn women's beat writers might have one of the toughest jobs in, in journalism, covering a team that regularly wins most of their games by 40 points. Uh, the games are over by halftime and try to keep finding different ways to talk about the same thing. So I'm sure you guys, you know, even though there was a lot of stress having the right on deadline, to finally have that, you know, that a game that was just, you know, back and forth, nail biting right down to the wire and then, you know, ends in a little bit of controversy in some ways must have been fun for you. Yeah, just, yeah, you you don't know what's going to happen. I looked back today at all the, uh, obviously this is their, thir- their 13th straight Final Four. Um, I looked back at all the scores of the other Elite Eight games that they won to get to the Final Four during that stretch, and this is by f- obviously the closest two points. Um, they beat Rutgers by 10 a couple of years ago, but um, they they've all haven't even been close S- so um yeah yeah it really it really was entertaining the the first quarter was fast paced and then the the defenses kicked in and then uh U- UConn was up 12 16 to 4 and then Baylor was up 10 with 2 minutes left in the third quarter and then UConn won on a 19 to nothing run against the team that leads the country in field goal percentage and um, the, you know, people say, well, their their top defender, Dee Dee uh, Richards, was out hurt. She she got injured during the game, but you know, 
every everything you can say, oh no, this happened to Baylor, it happened to UConn too. They're they're missing Nika Mule, who is one of their top defenders, um, who's missed the last three games with an ankle injury. So it just um for them to go on that nineteen to nothing run uh was was amazing and then and then uh they're up five with a minute left and you you think oh, oh they got this and then uh they get put in a position where they have to shoot free throws and um they miss and <laughs> it really was a furious finish yeah well obviously we'll talk about that just for a quick second uh the game did end in some controversy um uh the uh, Harrington uh, is it Dejeuner Harrington, um, uh, you know, you know, took the ball to the basket as you would expect uh, in the final seconds, and waiting for her was uh, Aaliyah Edwards and uh, and uh, Olivia Nelson Adota, the two tallest players on, on the floor for UConn. Um, there was contact; the, uh, the officials let it go. Um, she missed the shot. UConn got the rebound, and uh, you know, Kristen Williams made one of the two free throws to to end the game. Um, in real time, obviously, it was really hard to tell whether there was a foul committed or not. Um, you know, once they were able to go to the replay and actually slow things down, there certainly was contact. You know, both coaches addressed it after the game. Uh, obviously, Kim Mulkey wasn't thrilled, and you wouldn't expect it to be. And Gino said, that's life, and that's pretty much what it is. I, you know, I talked to an official friend of mine uh, this morning about it, and, you know, he said, I would never say this on the record, but we don't want to decide a game in the last second. If we're going to call a foul, it's got to be blatant, flagrant, it's so obvious that we have no choice. And in real time, I don't think anybody knew that was a foul uh, at first. In fact, the commentators, the first time they showed the replay, still weren't sure. It wasn't until like the third time that they showed the replay, they said, oh, yep, she kind of caught, caught her on, the, clipped her on the elbow. So, you know, I, and I think I could, you know, you, you know, if you're a fan of one team, you're thrilled. If you're a fan of another team, you're not. You know, but I, I think the way the game evolved, um, letting them play down the stretch and not making that, you know, that call was probably the right thing to do. And, and you mentioned you were far away, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to get your take on the whole game ending situation. Yeah. Um, when you, when you watch back, uh, the ESPN, uh, broadcast of, of that play, um, yeah, she, in, in real time, like you can't tell it all the, the commentator said, Oh, and Carrington forces up a shot. Like that's, you know, she, she was in a desperation situation. There was 0.8 seconds left. She had to get a shot off. And um, uh, uh, Aaliyah is six foot three, and Olivia is six foot five, and they were both standing there with their arms. I mean, um, not straight up, I guess, because <coughs> they they did look like they caught her when you watch it. Um, you know, when you watch it back in slow motion, but the the original um, in in regular time, uh, uh, you know, it, it looked it looked hard to tell. Um, it, it was a was a physical game. Um, they asked, you know, obviously for Gino's take on it after the game, and he was like, "Do you really want to go watch back the whole film and count all the fouls that they fouled us?" Like, there's there's a picture of Aubrey Griffin getting clotheslined that wasn't a foul. Um, he said that one time. Um, their page was on the floor and there was a Baylor player on top of her and it wasn't a foul. And he asked the ref, how is that not a foul? How did my player get on the floor and a Baylor player be on top of her? And the ref was like, I don't know. (laughs) 
He's like, that was his answer. I don't know. So there, it was a very physical game. Even um, so, uh, Aubrey Griffin, who plays for UConn, she's a sophomore. Her her dad, Adrian, is an assistant coach for and a former NBA player. He he's an assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors in the NBA, and he tweeted this morning. Probably the most physical college game I've ever watched. Both teams deserve to win. So it was a physical game the whole time. Um, you know, there, there's a picture of a girl holding on to Paige's jersey one time, Paige Becker's jersey. It was just, it was a physical game. And like you said, in, in that situation, if the whole entire game has been physical, are they now going to decide the game at the free throw line? Like, you know, it wasn't obvious, although some people think it was. As Gino said, feel free to ask me about it the rest of the week, but we're going to still be here playing another game. So I think that was the appropriate uh, that was the appropriate response in his part. So so I think we'll hold off a little bit on Arizona until we you know uh, do a podcast later in the week. You know uh, to kind of preview the Final Four. You know I will say real quick that you know they will be kind of the Cinderella team of the four teams left, uh, a three seed and a, and a team that uh, you know has never been there before. It's the first Final Four trip. So certainly, you know UConn after playing. You know Iowa and then Baylor. You know, uh, you know they'll be they'll be the heavy favorite in this game, uh, unlike you know they were the other night. So we'll kind of save that for 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 later in the week. But uh, you know, I wanted to, to be, what what are UConn's plans, Vicky, the next few days as uh, as they get ready to roll? And you know what you know what are you going to be doing? Um, you know, I know you've had a chance to to, to sample the cuisine and walk around uh, the Riverwalk in San Antonio since you've been there. Um, hopefully the weather's been fine and stays that way. Um, so maybe kind of fill people in on what, you know, three days leading to the, you know, the final four will, will be like. And obviously it's different because in past years you've gone from one city to another. Um, and this year, you know, you're, you know, you're stuck in San Antonio, although that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, yesterday I went to the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> um just uh just keep writing i guess uh um and traditionally well the the last two the last two elite eight games are today um traditionally um t- tomorrow there would be um a, a conference call with all four of the coaches like a, like an hour with each coach and they just answer every question known to man about whatever people want to ask them um, I don't. I don't know if that's still planned. I haven't. I haven't seen any um, uh, official uh, schedule yet. Um, I, I know uh, Gina was talking about um, they're not allowed to go outside anymore. They they were allowed to go outside before, and now, um, like he like he said, why can't why can't um, there's a really nice pool. All the all the teams are at the same hotel there's a really nice pool why can't you reserve it for like an hour a day for each of the teams to go out and sit by the pool no he said he said they said so it's um i guess they, i guess they have their routine and they they must be comfortable in it um uh they just keep getting tested uh for covid and um, entertaining themselves, they're very, they're very entertaining people. Uh, last last night, the the locker room, um, they they uh, they shoot um, some interviews in the locker room so that we have access to more than just one player. You can last night, Avina and Kristen, Avina uh, Westbrook and Kristen Williams talked from the UConn locker room, and I watched that back, and it's just really funny. They were they were after they talked about all the official stuff. Um, uh, Avina's like, oh well. 
uh, UConn doesn't cut down the net unless it's a championship where other teams cut down the net if it's the Big East championship or the regional championship. And Kristen's like, they do? I didn't know that. And Avina's like, yeah, people cut down the net, but UConn doesn't. Kristen's like, what do people do with a net? And Avina's like, um, he's, she's like, I don't know. They put it in a collage. And then uh, the sports information person, Anna, was like, I'm cutting you guys off now. And they're like, they're like, no, you can't come in. And they block the door. She's like, no, I'm the host of this podcast you know the zoom conference they're just they just they entertain themselves somehow i don't know i don't know how <laughs> well i think i think one thing that's been very obvious in um in the ncaa tournament and i know it was kind of a, a i don't know if it was a fear factor but a concern because they are so young with the seven freshmen and you know really not having a player in the roster that's been through this um they seem to have handled it really well. I mean, um, you know, there were some tense moments last night, but to their credit, as you mentioned, you know, after getting down 10, um, not only did they hang in here, they put together that amazing 19 to nothing run. And um, I'm sure nerves were a factor, you know, early in the game, and I'm sure they were a factor as the game wore on down the stretch. Uh, but overall, uh, again, for such a young team, they've really kind of handled themselves pretty well not only on the court, you know, but off the court with their media obligations. Yeah, Aaliyah Edwards got in some foul trouble last night. That hurt them. You saw they got off to the 16-4 to lead with her in, and she's so strong, and ba- Baylor's so strong, they needed her. Um, and she went out with a couple fouls, and that hurt them. Um, but, the, but then... Uh, uh, she came back. She was back in at the end, um, and and also um, Aubrey Griffin came off the bench and took a couple charges um, during that uh, nineteen to nothing run. He only played six players last night, but uh, yeah, uh, the the freshman did a really good job. Yeah, and that's probably why um, the officials letting the game be physical, and not calling as many fouls, probably worked as much as UConn's favor as it did in in Baylor's because. Uh, they could least, probably the two teams could least afford to get in any kind of foul trouble with basically six players out there. Um, so even though there were some fouls missed and there was some physical play, it probably didn't hurt UConn in the long run. All right. Well, I, I think we're going to wrap this uh, podcast up uh, for today. Again, to remind everyone that, uh, you know, Vicky's stories can be seen daily in, uh, in, in print. Uh, you can also see them online. Uh, we have we've been putting together a, a newsletter periodically of her experiences in uh, in San Antonio, which you can find on theday.com, as well as this podcast. And uh, you should also check out her, her her postcards, which she's been taking photos around the city and around the arena every time she's allowed to get out of her hotel room and enjoy it a little bit, which I hope this afternoon she can. Um, and uh, I can't wait to see what uh, what she's got coming forward in the next few days as we turn the page to to Arizona later in the week. Um, we're, we're all selfish because we've got one of the probably the most quotable coaches in college basketball to follow, and I'm sure he'll have plenty to say leading up to uh, to Friday night and and talking about all four teams that end up playing uh, this weekend. So thanks, Vicky. Enjoy it out there, and uh, we can't wait to read your work. And of course, always follow Vicky Fulkerson on Twitter at, at Vicky at the Day. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Chuck. <laughs>